All right, who's ready to hear from our people today? I'm so ready, I'm so ready. Um, oh, thanks you for doing that, even though you're getting up here. So, today, I, I know we kind of talk about it being a young adult service, but I, I don't actually love that because it's not a young adult service. It's the people of this church sharing and bringing life and bringing Jesus. And these guys are weapons, and I am so excited to release them on you. Um, so, the theme at this time for us is Jesus followers. Really, really important that that's where we get our inspiration, our hope, our eyes should be on him. And these three were not like just a random, I'll pick you, intentional choices for me. These guys last year grew, showed a passion to grow, and were looking into the word, looking into their own lives and going, how can I push further in my relationship with Jesus? That should be all of us, right? Yeah. To push in that way. But these three particularly stood out to me as people who are going, I'm going to make changes, I'm going to do something to find you more in my life. And so I was super proud of them. And so I know that what they're going to share today is going to inspire you to do the same. Because we all need a little like, boost sometimes in life. I know I do. And I, I want that to happen for you guys today. Just that little boost to go, let's go for more this year. Let's go after Jesus even more than I did last year and see what he does. So to kick us off, Come on up, Omani. Now I'm wishing I didn't want to go first. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start off with like a little intro. Um, so I first sort of came to Hunter Christian. Um, I stepped out on my own from coming from Hope BC. Um, I grew up there with my mum or with my family. Um, and it was sort of always, I've always grown up, you know, in Christian, Christian family, Christian, you know, school, whatever. And, but it, coming here, I've sort of like decided that I wanted it to be my own faith, you know. It's not really my family's faith anymore. Um, and I feel like specifically over last year, you know, God showed me a lot um, in my theme. Like, my theme's going to be surrender today. But um, he showed me a lot in, in really just giving up control in everything, you know, because... Um, <laughs> so I wanted to start off with, um, so last year I got baptised, which is crazy, that's like a year now, but um, that was sort of the beginning in a way, but through youth, young adults, I've really been able to push deeper with Jesus, um, you know, and I've like been challenged a lot in looking at the gifts of the Spirit, and um, not just that, but like being challenged in other people's opinions, and I'm sure what I would say was challenging to others. But one specific point that um, really stood out to me last year was when Pastor Steve McCracken and his wife came um, to speak at church, and my mum and I just came, and we were sitting in the second row, and I was just sort of like I didn't really want to like be involved too much um, that night, but Adam got me involved, and um, he invited everyone just up for prayer, and. Um, we were all just worshipping and I was looking around the room and I was seeing all these different people experience the Holy Spirit and there was, I saw some people like shaking and some people just falling back and I think it's called like the slain of the Spirit or something um, and I've never I've never experienced that before and um, I got to that night and I remember I was just worshipping and I didn't want to like be put outside my comfort zone or be challenged in any sort of way and I remember Adam called me over and he's like Money, called me over and I was like no 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 I'm not going over and I kept pushing back and saying no, but he you know, kept encouraging me to come over and I gave in 
and I went over and I basically just, I was just um, saying that I was scared. I think I was more so just speaking that over myself than anything, but he called over Steve and he came over and he was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push you, I'm not gonna do anything, I'm just gonna pray for you. And he just started praying and one thing that I've noticed is that um, through watching other people, um, other people's experiences, I was seeing like, what did I say? I was seeing um, the power, like, like the Holy Spirit work in them, but I've always doubted the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And it was like as soon as Steve started praying over me, he just took like the God just took that away. Yeah, and I didn't have that doubt anymore. And um, I wanted to connect that with the theme of surrender because there's so much power in, in surrendering and with that comes freedom. And that was something I was definitely challenged on last year um, in giving up control. But I remember I've always tried to sort of experience the Lord in some way, whether that's like spiritually or like emotionally, which is crazy to think like that's the only way that you're going to ever experience God. But I was just like praying to the Lord and inviting him in. And it was like Steve had stopped for a second and then he just kept praying even more. And he laid hands on me and I was like, I was holding back. So I was like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm like giving up control. And um, it was like, I just finally let go. I had such a clear mind. It was just me and Jesus. And that was the moment that I actually experienced God. And that was like, that was a pretty big like spiritual moment for me. Even though it was only a couple months ago, a couple months ago. Um, like that was sort of my experience. But um, a piece of advice my mum gave me um, last year in a situation that I was dealing with. And she just imagined, well, as she, as she was telling me, I, I imagined um, just this big God, like he's a big God. And the Lord just like, you know, laying out his hand to me. And he's not like, he's not asking me, he's not, he's not gonna take a situation, but he's just laying out his hand. And it was me just giving him those situations, like that situation of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And I just gave him that hurt. And even though it hurt to like give it up, it hurt. It, like it hurts even more to like hold on to it. And um, he wasn't like one thing that I realized is that like um, everyone says like God's like he's, he's a gentleman. He's not going to take something like he wants you to give it to him. And it was like I just gave him that situation and just handed it to him. And I really like got freedom from that in many ways. And that was something not just in that situation um, or any other situations, but over the year like. Like I've been challenged on that a lot. Okay. Um, but I wanted to sort of, I'm going quick, but I wanted to sort of end with um, a verse from Jeremiah 10 to 23. It says, Lord, I know that none of us are in charge of our own destiny. None of us have control over our own lives. And I don't know, I found myself always looking to the future and always looking, okay, what career am I gonna do? Or, you know, just where I wanna be and with friendships and whatever. And it's like the Lord's just bringing me back and say like no 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 like this is where I want you to be right here, and I just like he's all, like I keep saying challenge, but he has challenged me on wanting to obey him um, and his call for my life because he does have a big call for my life, um, and realizing yes God knows those those desires and those you know that that flesh in me, but um, and he wants to give that, but he's just been saying like um, he's, he's just been saying he wants to just. Um, I don't know, he wants to like, um, just like let me just give up control over that um, in many different ways and just like um, realize the call that he has for each of us really. Um, 
I hope that like made sense. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about something else, um, so it's kind of like a weird transition. But um, I've been accepted to go to YWAM um, in Byron Bay. DTS course for six months and so by the end of the six months I will have completed a certificate three in discipleship which is really really cool but to get me there we are sort of doing a little fundraiser next Sunday on the 22nd of January um, just to sort of like help me in funds but um, if you'd like to bake anything or help sell I'm going to need a lot of help selling um, <laughs> then just come up to me after the service I'll be at the help desk but also, I wanted to ask for prayer over myself and over the DTS because this is going to be a really challenging time and pushed far beyond our limits, but I know that this is the place God's calling me right now. Um, so that was sort of a great. <laughs> okay. It made sense, Mike. It made a lot of sense. It's really good. Isn't it so cool? When you give up control and you trust God yeah. and you see him open up all the rest of the doors in your life. And that's what's happened for Amani because early on in Young Adults, she was the person who asked the most questions. And I love that because it was like, but Dave, what about this? Or I've heard this. And, and I love that because inquisitiveness actually finds out truth. You search out the truth. And what's happened for her in this CTS, I'm so excited that she's doing this because it's saying, God, I'm giving you six months of my life to speak to me, to teach me, and just to focus on you. So good. So I think, you know, as a church, we'd love to just back her. So if yeah. you can bake, if you can cook, please come and see Amani or myself, um, and we're going to get a team together next week just to bring a whole lot of baked goods, and then we're all going to buy them. <laughs> we're going to make them, and we're going to buy them. We're going to eat them. That's how it works. What's that? <laughs> pay way too much for them, of course. A cookie would be $10 for sure. But if you want to also give to money, please also do that. So when she goes to the help desk today, if you feel in your heart right now, I want to just give her some money just to support her, please do that. And on the prayer side of it, I know sometimes we can say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Let's actually commit to that. Yeah. Um, put something on your fridge, do something to go pray for money, pray for money. Because uh, that's how God really will do an amazing thing in her as we continue to lift her up and see God work in her ways. So I think that'd be awesome. So good job, Marnie. Really proud of you. So, so good. Okay. Liam, are you ready, mate? Yeah. Good. Then come on up. speaking in front of young adults for like a, a short uh, short little thing, like a couple of minutes, and I thought, yeah, that'd be stepping out, outside of my comfort zone. I <laughs> and then I texted him, Am I, uh, January 15, am I speaking in front of church? And he said, yeah, mate. <laughs> I hey, but that's all right. <laughs> anyway, something that has been challenged with over the course of 22 years, 2022 is to do with obedience 
And um, actually building on what Amani said in Surrender is obedience is, is, um, is really your responsibility, right? You, you have to be obedient to God. That's, that's what the faith is about. Um, so the obedience is your responsibility, but the response is not yours to worry about. That's for the Spirit to do. Right? And I can specifically think of two occasions where this was really highlighted to me. The first time came from a challenge from Dave again, actually, was um, in Young Adults, he challenged us to give a word for, for someone in church. And um, he said, if, if it's easier, you can, you can write it down on a bit of paper and just stitch. And um, I thought, oh, that, that, that kind of suits me. I'll be all right to do that. <laughs> and um, while he was speaking, uh, the Holy Spirit, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say that I get a word for a woman in a red cardigan. And at the time, I thought that was just silly. That was nuts, right? But the night before church, 12.08, I woke up, and I, and I got a word, and I started writing. And um, throughout the whole thing, like, I, I felt like I was butchering the message. Right? <laughs> like, um, but I did it, and I went back to sleep. The next morning, headed off to church, and my head was filled with thoughts, like, such as, what if there's no one at church with a red cardigan? Right? Um, what if, um, what if there's more than one person? <laughs> How exactly can I define a red card? <laughs> and I tell you the truth. The very first thing I saw when I walked into church was a woman wearing a red cardigan. <laughs> and I thought, no way, that's nuts. And, and um, throughout the entire service, I'm looking around the congregation, I, I'm trying to see, is there anyone else with a red cardigan? Is there a way I can back out of this? <laughs> I even turned to Livy and I said, hey Liv, uh, is that woman over there wearing a red cardigan? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And at that point I knew there's no backing out, right? Um, and, and, and so, um, I, at the end of the church, so I knew it was meant for her. At the end of the church, I had uh, Joey Blondell come with me for some uh, emotional support and uh, keep going. And, and, and I gave the word, and um, when I say gay, that's a pretty loose term. I mean, Exactly as Dave said, hand a bitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was, uh, yeah. But a couple, couple days later, I got feedback that the word had been treasured and was meaningful. And it really struck me how being obedient to God uh, and what God asks and, and rising to today's challenge, um, whilst at the time was difficult and made me feel silly, um, was beneficial to not only myself, but to someone else, right? And... And Jesus teaches us in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? Um, and that, that can involve surrendering right, to what he has to have for you. Um, and another time I was challenged in, in this concept of obedience was in giving a word I had for another family friend. And, and this is possibly even stranger circumstances. <laughs> but uh, I was at the top of Redhead Bluff, and I was looking down... And I saw this little nook in the, like a crevice in the rock. And I could see the sun shine, uh, shining on that spot. And I, um, I heard the Spirit say to me, in three days' time, you will have a word in that particular location for this person. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, 
really kind of strange, but all right, I'll, I'll step out, I'll see how this goes. Um, so anyway, three days pass, and in the afternoon, because I'd been putting it off all morning and the day, in the afternoon, I, I took my clipboard, some paper, and feeling suitably stupid, <laughs> I walked down to, the, to this uh, to Redhead Bluff. And halfway down, I got uh, the first sentence of the word, uh, of, the, of the word, and then I was told the, the rest will come when I'm there. And, and I, I had an image flash in my mind of, of a rock in that particular nook that I was to sit on, and um, where it would be revealed to me. And lo and behold, I get there, and clambered around, and I, I found this, this rock, this vision I'd had, and I sat down and I got writing. Um, and whilst I was writing, it occurred to me that, like, no matter how tried, whatever I did, I would not be able to fully and accurately convey the depth of the love the Lord was wanting me to share. But it wasn't my job to get it perfect. The obedience to God was my responsibility, but the response was not mine to worry about. And I, as I was leaving the beach, this was revealed to me in a really beautiful way as... Um, yeah, as I saw a sailboat, I turned around and I saw a sailboat, and, and I heard these words, uh, the Spirit say, your message has been sent, do not worry about the response, that is mine to take care of. And I guess often in life we are worried about the response, right? and we are, we are worried about how we might look, or what other people would think of me, right? And that often acts as a hindrance in aligning to, to what God's purpose is to be alive. Right? And, and sometimes being obedient to God can look very unusual. Right? But ultimately, you must decide what's important to you. And I mean, no one gets this perfect, especially not me, right? Um, I find it easier to ignore what God has to say to me and, you, you know, and live in a comfort zone bubble. But freedom is found in obedience, right? And, and surrender. And uh, I would challenge you to step out. Um, and for me, speaking in front of church really ticked that box. <laughs> a marginally less confronting theme I've also learned about is the directive not to worry. Um, that's not always an easy one to get. Uh, but uh, as some of you may know, I've recently embarked on a, a month-long trip into the outback with a best mate uh, for an alternative schoolies trip. You know? um, there were many wonderful memories made, but uh, also many great stories of misadventure. <laughs> um, one of the things that was a constant challenge for us both was to not worry and to fret about what could happen or might happen. Because don't get me wrong, plenty of things can go pear-shaped in the outback, and if you're not prepared, you, you can pay the ultimate price. But worrying about what might happen robs your ability to enjoy the moment. Something that struck me in particular was a random passage. Right? For context, we've just been in Alice Springs, uh, just out of Alice Springs in the West McDonnell Ranges uh, for a week. And um, we'd stumbled across a small town called Hermansburg. It was a historic town settled by the, German, uh, the missionaries, uh, German Lutheran missionaries, right? And we stopped out to, to check some historic stuff. Um, Unfortunately, most of that was closed due to off-peak season tourist times, but um, the church was open, so we had a look around. And at the front of the church, there was a Bible, and it was open to, to, to Luke chapter 12, but it wasn't written in, um, 
in English. It was written in the native indigenous language. Um, so I got out my phone and I, I, I got up the passage and, um, and wow, this, this hit hard, right? And it's uh, Luke chapter 22, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and onwards. Right? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And so if I'm to leave with a summary um, of the important points I'd like to challenge you with and I would like to personally work on going through in 2023, it's uh, these three things. Uh, obedience to God is something we do out of love. Uh, you are not accountable. You are only accountable for your obedience. The result is for the work of the Spirit. Uh, and do not worry, for it can do nothing more and rob you of your ability to enjoy the moment. Thank you. I don't think I need to sum that up. I think it's done. Yeah. I hope you're encouraged by that. I definitely was challenged by that. Stepping out in faith and giving somebody a word is gutsy. And I think as Christians, it's kind of our responsibility to be gutsy, to step out of the crowd and do something that is not about us, but to love others. Then you know that it's, it is all about love. All these things we do, all these gifts we get given through the Holy Spirit, it's not for us, it's for somebody else. And uh, we just gotta take the mantle up and listen. And you have me, we're so proud of you, so awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks, Dave. So good. I also just love the way you talk as well. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Australian? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh God, I love it. That's truth, mate. All right, it's truth, mate. Yeah. <laughs> truth, blue. <laughs> All right. Uh, so refreshing. Hugh, over to you, mate. Give me a hand, Today I'm talking about idols. Um, it's a bit of a heavy topic, but a, and a difficult topic, but it's one that I've really been working through this year um, with a lot of different areas, um, and I hope to bring a bit of light to them and how to get rid of them, uh, because getting rid of them is a good thing. Um, but yeah, so first uh, I thought I'd just do a very quick definition of what an idol is. I don't think slides me into this bit, but. Um, an idol is anything that humans have created to worship that takes the place of God. So something that might have power, might provide for us. Things that stand in God's place that we have an expectation for that can't fulfill. Um, so worship, uh, yeah, for an idol to be an idol, it needs to be worshipped. And for worship to be worshipped, um, it needs to be our love expressed to God as a response to His grace for us. So our worship is fully an expression towards God. From our love, so you can't. It can't be love if it's not expressed. Uh, you can't worship without love. 
and it can't be love if it's not in your heart. So to worship, you have to have alignment within your heart, you have to have alignment within your body, soul, and spirit to express your worship towards God, and also to an idol. So both will work together, in a sense, that all of those things will then direct towards an idol or God. It depends on which way you point, or which way you uh, yeah, direct yourself. Um, so yeah, idols can include physical idols. They had a lot of those in the Old Testament. Um, but nowadays we have less physical idols and more so different ones, so um, more spiritual ones, so different things like comparison, money, lust, star signs, tarot cards, and crystals I think are very common nowadays. Um, personal skills or abilities can be lust, <coughs> can be idols. Um, family can be idols and even self-preservation or becoming better can be idols. Um, and I've had difficulty with a fair few of these, but I'll touch on them a bit later. Um, so, yes, back to worship. Um, when we worship, our love has to come from our heart. And when we... Okay, let me find my bearings a bit. Um, So the way that I envision worship and envision my heart is that there's a throne within my heart that someone sits on, and that's the way that my worship will direct. So if there's an idol there, it will sit on the throne and take the place that is rightfully for God, and then it will draw your worship. Sometimes you can have multiple idols just stacked up on top of each other. They all sort of sit on each other's laps, and <laughs> somehow I have to get rid of all of them, but they stack up, and... Yeah, really that place is only meant for God in our lives. doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. We're, we are built as worshippers, and there will always be a throne that God is ready to sit on. So, first Bible verse, Proverbs 4, 20-23. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear towards my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So, I don't know how many of you, uh, I would hope that a lot of you have watched The Avengers, the original <laughs> 2012 <laughs> Avengers. You know, like the huge, like, shield heli carrier? They've got, like, the bridge, and they have the central point that Nick Fury stands at, and then all of the, like, different desks and computers. Yeah. That's sort of how I envision the heart. So you've got... Stick with me, it's going to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have a If you can pull one up quick enough, then that's great. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> so, the place that Nick Lapiri stands is the throne. He has control over the entire bridge. He tells people where to go, he tells them what to do. Then, from there, they have different like subdivisions of, uh, that control different areas. So, you have the throne your heart, and then you have your feelings, your emotions, your intellect, your conscience, your thoughts, your character, and your will. So all these things will flow out of your heart. They're all controlled by the throne, but all of them have effect in your life. So when we look at Proverbs 4.20 and 23, it says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
So if you have an idol sitting on your heart and you're worshipping it, then that idol will leak out into everything else that makes up you and everything that God has made perfect through his sacrifice, and then it will corrupt what you do, I guess. If you have God sitting there, then perfection will flow from the throne and it will wash over you. That's good. Yes. So you can't worship something that's not on the throne. When you... Yeah, when you bow, your knees can only be in one place. So if God is over there, your throne's over here, you can only bow before the throne. You can't bow before God who's not on the throne. He has to be on the throne for you to worship him. So, next Bible verse, Romans 12, 1-2. says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we see in this passage, we see multiple things. We see true and proper worship as offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. But we also see right after it, to not conform to the patterns of the world, to not place idols in the place where God is meant to be. The renewing of our mind is actually expelling the idols and placing God back on the throne and then when he is on the throne we're able to test and approve God's will we're able to be more in line with him we're able to know his will for our life and the world around us and then we can move in the path that he's set for us okay okay, so next is the main part so I've got a chunk of scripture that I'm going to read and then I'm going to break it down um, because there's a lot that comes from it but I'm going to be reading from Ezekiel 14, 1 to 11. Um, just for context, uh, Ezekiel, like some leaders, some religious leaders from Israel have come to Ezekiel. They've sat down with him for a meal or something. And he's the prophet of Israel, and they've come for him for guidance. And God gives Ezekiel these words. So, Ezekiel 14, 1 to 11. Some of the leaders of Israel visited me, and while they were sitting with me, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their requests? Tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet, asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture the minds and the hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Repent and turn away from your idols, and stop all the detestable sins. I, the Lord, will answer all those who reject me, and set up idols in their hearts, and so fall into sin. And who then come to a prophet asking for my advice? I will turn against such people, and make a terrible example of them, eliminating them from among my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And if a prophet is deceived into giving a message, it is because I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. I will lift my fist against such prophets and cut them off from the community of Israel. False prophets and those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. In this way, the people of Israel will not learn to stray from me, polluting themselves with sin. They will be my people and I will be their God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. (coughs) So I think some awesome things in this is that when we read through, idols in your hearts and sin are always linked. Every single time it mentions idols in your hearts, afterwards it says they've embraced sin. They've Embrace things that will make them fall into sin. So we know that when we have an idol in our heart, we're ultimately going to fall into sin. 
And um, I think, yeah, the verse that Liam gave, John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commands. That's not a guilt trip. That's not God saying, if you love yeah. me, you would actually follow my commands. It's saying, if you love me and you worship me, my um, obeying my commands will become so much easier because you have me on the throne. So when you have God on the throne and you start saying yes to him, it's a no to everything else. You can't say yes to both God and the world because then it's just a yes to the world. When you say yes to God, it's a no to everything else. Um, okay. And then just another verse, Exodus 24 to 6. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heaven or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down before them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other God. Sometimes we can get stuck thinking that uh, everything's fine because God loves us, which is true. But some of the stuff that we do, he doesn't love. It's just tolerate. He just tolerates it until we come back to him and we repent. Okay, so from the chunk of Ezekiel that we just uh, read, there are four things that idols will cause that I've experienced. So I'll put some of my own experiences in there, so being very out there and open today. Um, but yeah, the first thing is spiritual deception. So in Ezekiel 14.3, it says, Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their request? So from this verse, we can see that they actually set up their own idols. No one else does it for them. No one else can do it for you. You have to do it yourself, or you do it yourself. And you have to get rid of them yourself. But we have this spiritual deception. Um, you begin to cater for the thing that takes you away from God. So you somehow gets on the throne. It only gets on the throne because you allow it to take God's place. And then we begin taking, uh, yeah, we begin worshiping it and catering for it. And I personally have said uh, many things, but one of them is I know this is wrong, but God will forgive me. I don't know if anyone else has shared with me in doing that. Um, that's actually when we start being deceived spiritually. It is sinning presumptuously. We are presuming that God's sacrifice will cover us, because we know it will, but it is cheapening the eternal sacrifice that God made for us on the cross. Right. So when he died, he didn't just do it out of nothing. When we think he's going to forgive us and we sin anyway, we know that that will happen. We cheapen that sacrifice and we cheapen our relationship to God. Um, the next thing that idols will cause is spiritual adultery. So in Ezekiel 14.5 it says, That I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Now that's from the New King James Version. I've chosen that translation specifically because it uses the word estranged. The other place that it uses estranged in the Bible is the relationship between David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. Because estranged means a woman that is married and left her husband's house is in relation with another man's home. So, spiritual adultery, when we are estranged by God, we are running away from him, running to an idol, worshipping that, and then coming back to God and not telling him about it. We're coming back like everything's fine. We're, not, we're missing the key part of actually getting rid of idols, which is repenting and letting him know what's happened. But we are, yeah, we're moving away and we're having spiritual adultery with idols instead of sitting with Jesus and talking through different things. Um, 
The next thing that uh, idols will cause is spiritual deafness. Um, so in Ezekiel 12, 1-2, it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. So, when we have an idol on our heart, we can be spiritually deaf to where God wants to lead us. I've experienced this uh, with finances. I've had like the idol of finance set up for a fair while because I had this comparison or expectation that I should be earning money um, because a lot of my friends have saved and bought cars that are worth five grand and upwards, and I have not had more than eighteen hundred dollars in my bank account. <laughs> it's a good feeling, um, but it's humbling when you realise that you're sitting in a place where you're trusting in your own way of making money and not that God has provided for you. So when money was sitting on the throne for me, or when finance was sitting on the throne for me, I was trusting in finance. I was trusting in the fact that I could make money and the jobs that were providing me money, instead of trusting in the fact that God is my provider. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So when we muffle out God's voice, we miss his instruction for our life. We begin to make our own decisions and we end up in a place that God never intended for us to be. So. One of the examples for this in the Bible is when Israel ends up in Babylon. They believe that the prophecies for the Messiah are actually false, and they're being corrupted by the idols. <coughs> yeah, just being corrupted by idols. Um, they end up in a place where God never intended them to be. And you can see that from the start of the journey of Israel. God has plans and good plans for his people. He never plans for them to fall. And yeah, when people obey that, he blesses them. For Solomon, he blesses him by surrounding him by no wars. And David and Solomon were both faithful men of God. Sure. But then he, yeah, then Israel falls and God slightly abandons them. Um, yeah. When an idol becomes, when an idol sits on the seat, of, ah, seat on the throne, of, when an idol takes a seat on the throne of your heart, God becomes muffled, so you can't hear him anymore. And that ties into deception. You think you hear something, it's actually not. It's not God. And that's the most difficult thing that we can experience, is knowing what is God and what isn't. Best way to find out, do you have an idol on your heart? Um, but yeah, behind every idol is also a demonic, a demonic spirit. So if we have money sitting on the throne, it's because we, uh, yeah, the demonic spirit is lack even when God is our provider. And most times that you'll find is that the um, demonic spirit is actually just God's personality, but flipped. So if we have lack, it's because God's our provider. If we have worry, the demonic spirit behind that is fear. Even though we're created without a spirit of fear, through the power of love and sound mind, it flips God's personality and makes us fear that we don't actually have access to that. The last thing that idols cause are spiritual consequences. So, we are saved by grace through faith. We all know that, hopefully. <laughs> um, but our actions will still have destructive consequences on earth. So we can't just go around sinning, and um, I hope many of you know that. But we can't just go around sinning because there are consequences, and I'm sure that we've all run into them. But Ezekiel 14.10 says, False prophets and all those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. So, yeah. When we assign an idol to our heart, to our throne of our heart, we then fall into 
consequences of sin, and that's like wearing a weight vest. Has anyone worn a weight vest? Yeah. I've never worn a weight vest, clearly. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do need one. <laughs> but yeah, I would imagine that they're very heavy. <laughs> so, but yeah, that can be very taxing on your ability, what you can do, and also how you do things. So, when we read the Bible and we find out that God has a race for us that he's set before us, He set before us a race that we should run for our life, how do you think, how far do you think we'll get if we cannot see, we cannot hear, and we're weighed down? Mm. Through spiritual deception, spiritual deafness, and spiritual consequences. We're not going to get very far on the race that God's run, uh, set for us. And I've found that a lot. I find myself distanced from God. And I wonder why that is. Sometimes it's just because I trust my feelings more than God. Mm. Trust my feelings more than God's character. And feelings are not true. But um, it sets us back from God. And it sets a divide. And for a long time I read my Bible every day. Which was great. Then I went through a period of not doing that. And I was like, I didn't know what was wrong. I, like, I was distant from God. I couldn't hear him. couldn't see him couldn't feel him until I started doing it again. And I'm not saying reading your Bible every day is the answer, but it will build that relationship with God. And I can notice a difference every day when I sit down in the morning, read my Bible. I have a grounding and a direction in God before I start my day. Before I go out into the world and it batters me around, I have a grounding in God. And I put him back on the throne. So the last thing, yeah, it'd be really, like, really bad if I ended here and didn't tell you how to get rid of um, But yeah, luckily I have that as well. Hopefully it makes sense. Um, so, how do you evict idols? You, in simplicity, you put God back on the throne of your heart and you evict the idols from the throne room. So for a long time, I would just switch out the idol with God. I would allow God to take his place again, but then the idol would just sort of stand next to the throne. he just sit there. I wouldn't actually get him out of the throne room because he doesn't even belong in the throne room. He doesn't, he doesn't have the ability, or he shouldn't have the ability, to even be within sight of the throne because then he has a goal and he knows where he wants to go. So we need to get them fully out of the throne room. So Ezekiel 14 gives us this. Verse 6, Therefore, say this to the people of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Repent, and turn away from your idols and stop all your detestable sins. First step is repent. The second step is to turn away from your idols. And then the consequence is that you will stop all the detestable sins. So, repenting. Psalm 86, 5. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask you for your help. Repenting is us not coming to God and being like, Oh, I did this again. It's being direct and it's being specific because I think God really doesn't like not being specific. If you just come to him and you're very broad and you're like, oh, I'm sorry for this. He's like, what is this? He wants to know what you've done so that you know what you've done. He wants to know that you're actually repenting for the thing that you need to be repenting for. But he will always forgive you if you come to him and ask. We know that. God's character is so good throughout the entire Bible. If we come to him and ask for forgiveness, then he will give it to us. Um, and the next thing, turning away from idols. Acts 3.19 Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that 
uh, your sins may be wiped away. And this lines up with Ezekiel 14.6. The fact that when we turn back to God, we repent and turn away from the sin, the sins will be wiped away. Sort of like what Liam says, our obedience, God will take, it, like, take care of the rest. We just need to be obedient and turn back to Him, and then He will wipe away our sins. And Psalm 24, 3-5, I'm just going to finish on this verse. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has a clean heart and a pure, uh, clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord. I think this is a really intro, interesting verse because it says, "He who has a clean heart and pure, uh, clean hands and pure heart, has all of this great things." And then right after that, it says, "He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol," because when you Lift up an idol onto the throne. Your heart becomes less pure. You don't have God sitting there. You lose direction for your life. You lose your hearing from God. You lose your sight from God. You are in an adulterous relationship with Him. And you start suffering the consequences for living with an idol on your heart. So, yeah, this year has been quite big for me because I've had a lot. I actually made a list, but I'm sure it's much longer. <laughs> Because we go through our idols every day. Through this year, I've had idols of comparison, relationships, lust, money, judgment, self-preservation. There's been so many times where God's told me to get on my knees and bow and worship, and I still haven't done it. And I hate that I haven't done it. But it's because I have the idol of self-preservation sitting on my heart, and I wouldn't get rid of it. And what that actually did, it would deafen me, because I would think, oh, what's everyone else going to think of me? When it actually drew me away from the only person who actually cared. If I bow. So yeah, I just want to encourage you with that today. So good. Wow. Thanks, mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope God's speaking to you right now. Yeah. He's speaking to me. Hugh, I just want to thank you for being so vulnerable. Because that's hard to do, and you do good. Yeah. Thank you. We're going to stand right now. I'm going to worship team up here.